I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. I actually, um, I brought a little timer <laughs> because I can go long. So if you hear a little beep, that's like my 22-minute warning. But I forgot to set it last time. So like halfway through my sermon, I looked over and I was like, <gasps> I have no idea how long I've been talking for. But it turned out okay. But, you know, it's like my little security blanket right here. So just so when you hear it, you know, I'm like, okay, land the plane. Well, good morning. My name is Melissa, and um, I have been part of Baseline for a while, and then we were in Pasadena and back here, and God opened a door for me to be the professor of history and world Christianity in Eugene. So we're pretty excited to go, but we'll still be here this summer, and we like keep coming back. <laughs> it's hard to get rid of us. We just really love Baseline. Um, so this morning, uh, we've been going through a series of questions that Jesus asked. And Don asked me, will you talk about the question in John 13, 12, where Jesus has washed the disciples' feet, and he looks at them, and he says, do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand what I've done for you? Now, uh, I grew up in a nominally Catholic family, meaning I was baptized, made my Holy Communion, and other than that, like, I don't ever remember going to church. Like, there must have been some time we went to Mass, but I have no recollection of it. And, but God, in his grace, kept putting Christian families around us. And so there was a pastor and his wife with a little girl my age who lived down the street when I was six, and I would go play with her, and they would take me to Awana's, and I'd go to church with them. And at one point, some young woman, she must have been 17, but she seemed very big to me, um, asked if anyone wanted to ask Jesus in their hearts. And I was like, I do, because my house was like the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> And when I went to her house, they knelt by her bed at night and prayed, and the daddy got up and made pancakes, and I just knew the difference, even at six years old, was Jesus, and I wanted that. But that means I didn't grow up in the church or a church. I kind of got invited to church by friends, a plug for inviting friends to church. And so when I was in junior high and high school, I was kind of like a youth group, right? Non-denominational, four-square, Calvary Chapel-ish youth groups. And uh, they're kind of charismatic churches. And I would hear about foot washings. And we didn't really see a lot of foot washings, actually, but we'd hear about them. And then as I got a little older and I started um, kind of leading stuff, I thought, well, I should do a foot washing, right? And, I mean, I just made this up as I went, you know. But I, we had the ladies sit around and would wash their feet and just pray God's blessing over them. And it was actually truly a powerful time and experience. Um, but I didn't, couldn't really tell you why we did it so much as that we did it and that it was a powerful, beautiful thing. And so I'm so grateful to really dig into this text today, to really look at what Jesus says. Do you understand what I have done for you? And it's actually a really beautiful, powerful section of scripture. And so do you know what I have done for you? Let's find out. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend some time in John 13. If not, it's in the bulletin, and it's also going to be up on the screen. Um, and so let's jump in. John, I feel like um, because I've been to so many different churches, and I teach about churches, um, pre uh, Presbyterians go, the word of the Lord. Oh, so I just felt like, the word of the Lord. Anyone? Thanks be to God. All right, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, actually, on that note, um, I want to get our like juices flowing because I'm a teacher and a cow, but, but I like call and response. I'm kind of used to that. And so to kind of get us, you all know this one. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, we're on track now. Okay, so if you can help me out a few times as we go, I would appreciate it. All right, 
13.1. Now before the feast of Passover, so what's that? This is the Last Supper. This is just before Jesus is going to be betrayed, flogged, crucified, and resurrected. That's, this is the context for when this is happening. Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, knowing that his hour had come, haven't we all through up his ministry up until this time, even his mom wants him to turn some water into wine, and he's like, woman, it's not my time, right? It's not my time. He keeps saying it's not my time, but now it's his time. Now his hour has come. And then it says that he would depart out of this world to the Father. He didn't die. He didn't stop. He transitioned from one phase of life to another. Phase on this life to life in eternity. And I think it's so important for us to remember this life isn't all there is. There is living now. And when we have Jesus, there is living in eternity with God in glory. And so Jesus departs. He's, he would depart out of this world to the Father. And then, I love this, having loved, agape sauce, we've heard the word agape if you've been in church for a while before, the unconditional love of God, and here it's a verb, he agaped his own who were in the world to the end, he loved them, he agaped them. Now right here, to the end, telos. it means to the end, and in this sense, it is to the end of his life. But Jesus' life doesn't end, does it? It is to the end of the age, to the end of eternity. And that means that while earthly love, sometimes it kind of wanes, doesn't it? Though I believe in Jesus with his love filling us, we can have a love that lasts throughout life. But his love, the love of Christ, it's astelos. It's eternal. It's everlasting. It never stops. That means when Jesus says in John that he holds us in his hand, the Father's given us to him, and in Greek it says, ume, it's a double negative, never, ever. We can never, ever be taken out of his hand. And sometimes we do stuff, right? We go through phases, and we think, oh, Lord. But we're still his because he loves us to the end. He has an everlasting love for us. And so this moment that we're going to look at, it's about this intense love that Jesus has for the disciples and this intense love that Jesus has for us. Let's go back to Scripture. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, and Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and he was going back to God, he got up from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel and he girded himself. What's that? Okay, we got three interesting things happening in this section. First, it's the social setting. This is an ancient meal. And in the ancient world, um, they sat at like a U-shaped table. It was often kind of like three rectangular tables put together, or maybe someone would craft kind of a U-shaped table. And the important part of this for you to know is that <clears throat> everything was about hierarchy and class. So there was a special seat kind of over here, if it's a U-shape, over here to the left, for the guest of honor or the person of highest social rank. 
And then you would sit kind of in lessening degrees of honor away, farther and farther away from this, the highest person. And even the food would be brought and set in front of this guest of honor or the host, whoever was the most honorable at the table. And do you, does anyone recall in scripture in Corinthians, Paul's like, you shouldn't all get together and eat and some people leave hungry. Why is that? Because if the people of honor ate all the food, they never passed it around. No one else got any food. And so it was very much class and rank. In fact, clothing was even by class and rank. So you know how like if a police officer were to walk in the room, we would all know, right? We would see the outfit. It's like a costume, a uniform. Even little kids wear police hats, right? Or a fireman walks in the room, we know. It used to be that clergy all wore kind of the black outfit and the collar, right? And we know, oh, clergy. Well, in their world, you know how you've heard of togas and such? Well, you couldn't just wear a toga unless you were a very high class, aristocratic class. And some people got the purple stripe. But everybody had to wear clothing based on their class and society. And slaves had certain clothing, so their clothes were short or they were kind of naked if they were working. And so Jesus is wearing the robe, we know he has a special garment from scripture, of a rabbi. And he, of course, is sitting in the highest seat of honor. And when they would have come into the room, everybody would have had their feet washed, either by a slave or just gotten some water, and you know they would have been clean. But now, in the middle of the meal, Jesus stands up, and um, he takes off his special clothes, which are his class and position in society, right? And he just leaves on his undies and like wraps a towel around him like he's a slave. Jesus is breaking social barriers. Jesus is casting aside class and hierarchy out of the intense love for his people so that he can show them what agape love is. Second, there's a contrast here, isn't it? The agape love of Jesus and the betrayal of Judas. Third, it says Jesus, knowing all these things, he's omniscient. And knowing all these things, and I like that, right? Because Jesus knew what was going on in my life yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I can rely on him to love me, ace, telos, to the end, right? He's going to do something that's prophetic. He is going to embody what's going to happen to him on the cross. In fact, has anyone ever heard of Dale Bruner at Fuller? He writes great commentaries. Consider him like a friend. And he, uh, he actually says in his commentary on John that did we not have the picture, like someone write out the story of the resurrection, this would have been enough to make the point. Because Jesus clothes himself as a slave, and then what? Let's read. In Philippians 2.7, Paul describes what Jesus does here and says, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, that's the nice way of saying slave, slave, and being made in the likeness of men. By becoming, coming down from heaven and just being human, he takes on this low position from being like the glory of God, right, to just flesh. But now he takes his flesh, takes off his robe, and bends down, in the lowest position as a slave. And then let's look here. Then he poured water, our next verse, he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter and he said, Simon Peter said to Jesus, 
Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do to you now you do not realize, but you will understand later. And Peter said, Never shall you wash my feet, Lord. He's like, You are Lord. You are king. Right? King of kings. He doesn't quite know the extent of it yet, but he knows enough to know that Jesus is up here and he's down there. And he's like, You don't don't wash my feet, Lord. And Jesus says, If I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And Peter goes, Oh. (laughs) Well, Okay, then, um, not only my feet, but my hands and my head, <laughs> right? Well, okay, then, watch the whole thing. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. Okay, I want you to hear this. And you are clean. And he, of course, he's assuming he kind of glances over at Judah, saying, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him for this reason. He said, not all of you are clean. Peter objects, and Jesus says, hold on, you're going to understand. And then he says, you are clean. If any of you are anything like me, you're not perfect. (laughs) And some days you look in the mirror and you think, oh, (laughs) right? How could you ever use me, Jesus? Would you call me? But in Jesus, we are clean. And I want you to go away knowing that today. The world throws guilt and shame on us. But Jesus brings cleansing, healing, and restoration. Verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, Jesus said to them, and here's our big question, you know what I've done to you? And that to you can also be translated as for. Do you know what I've done for you? And so let me ask a little shout out. Literally, what had Jesus done for them? Literally. Wash their feet, right. And he modeled being a servant. Verse 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so... I am. Often in scripture, it's an ego in me. I, I am. And here it's an Amy. I am. Jesus is the I am. He is the great I am. He was, he is, he will be. And many of you, you know the I am statements, right? So help, let, help me out. What is, when he says, I am the, the son of God. I am the way. I am the good shepherd. I am Good. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. And Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, says Jesus, the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one greater than the one who sent him, the messenger. You see here, Jesus, by taking on the form of a slave, his outfit, I guess if you will, and bending down and doing the the job that he did with washing the feet, he doesn't give up his role as teacher and Lord. He doesn't become their actual slave. He washes their feet and remains their Lord. He was not just humbling himself to serve them, though he did. 
he was displaying the intensity of his love for them. His ace telos love, his to the end, his everlasting love, his love that would crush all barriers and boundaries, right? His love that goes beyond social class or caste. This agape love was not focused on promoting position or social caste, but on the interests and love and benefit and blessings of his people. He wanted to show them he cherished them. Can I just say, Jesus wants to show you this morning that he cherishes you, that he loves you to the end, everlasting. The rest of the passage from Paul that I quoted earlier looks like this, Philippians 2.5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, of a slave, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. And so what did Jesus do for us? He died on a cross for us. He took the form of a slave, and he loved us, intensely. The next thing Jesus says is if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Anybody in here want to be blessed? Yes, I want to be blessed, Jesus. He says if you're like, where's the path? All those books, right? Three steps to blessing, right? Step number one, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. And so there are a few verses here I just want to go through. Some are in the core group notes for this week. John 12, 23 to 26. So just before this moment, Jesus says, like, this is chapter 12, and we're in chapter 13, right? So we go back in time just a short bit, and Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to the eternal. And here's what I want you to hear, though that's super important. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. When you serve Jesus by serving other people, he's right there with you. You're not alone in it. You are literally being the hands and feet of Christ to other people. Ephesians 5, 1-2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Walk in agape, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. An offering and sacrifice. You know what? Sometimes loving people is hard. <laughs> right? It is an offering and a sacrifice. And all God's people said. All right. All right. Ephesians 6, 7. With good will, render service to the Lord and not to men. What's We need to have our heart right. God doesn't want us, like, you know the verse, God loves a cheerful giver? That includes when you give of yourself. It's not just dropping money in the offering box with a joyful heart. He wants us to serve one another with a joyful heart. And that's why we have to serve as to the Lord. 
Because seriously, sometimes there are people are grumbly and ungrateful, or maybe you do something like you're just out there picking up trash on the trail, you know, keeping the earth green, and no one watches, no one pats you on the back, and you see someone walk along and drop their gum wrapper. You know, you're like, come on. That's why we do it unto the Lord, because the Lord is with us in it. 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, as each one has received a special gift, oh, do you hear that? You have been given a special gift. You think, oh, I can't do anything special. Yes, you can. God has gifted you to do certain things that other people just don't do as well. And he's calling you to use those things. You're like, well, they're not big and great. They don't have to be big and great to make a huge impact in the world, right? They have to be the gift God gave you, and that is great. So each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And whoever speaks, so to do as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs all glory and dominion forever and ever, and all God's people said, Amen. All right. Oh, man, look at the time. Scary. Okay, so serving like Jesus means loving others as Jesus loved us. That might mean making a meal for a family. That might mean volunteering with children in, in the children's care. It might be maybe a friend is just having a hard time and you take them to lunch and just let them, like, dump, right? Just listen and pray with them at the end. It might mean taking time to actually just pray for people. I believe that prayer is not well-wishing. Scripture tells us that prayer is effective and powerful. When we pray for people, things change. And so, yes, the prayer warriors in this room, the time you spend in prayer that no one knows or sees, you, through the love of Jesus in your heart, are blessing this world and the people you're praying for. And so we are the hands and feet of Jesus in this hurting world, and we can all do that. And we are all called to do that. There was a season in my life where I took care of an at-risk family. And um, honestly, I, I just reached a point in my life where I didn't feel worthy of anything. And I begged Jesus. I said, I, I would do anything for you, Jesus. Do you have anything for me that I could do to serve? And a friend was telling me about a little family that the dad was in prison. It was for Project Angel Tree. And they lived with the great-grandma. And it was two little kids. And they had nothing. And we're walking through Target. And God just I'm telling you, he poured this agape love in my heart. I started just buying them stuff like a lamp and like sheets for the bed someone brought and little kid clothes. I didn't know their sizes, right? And pillows. And when I got there, I finally said, can I come and bring this? I brought it. They didn't have a lamp in the house. I didn't know that. The kids didn't own a single pair of pajamas. Apparently that night later, they got so excited to go to bed in like the sheets and pillows and pajamas. They were like trying to go to bed early, you know? And we maintained and developed this relationship over the years. And at one point, I was able to get them into a private school, a Christian school, because they are learning when their school was not great. And don't you know, that doesn't come with a bus. <laughs> and so I, not the morning person, had to get up extra early, drive through traffic, uh, pick them up. And little children aren't always grateful and excited and happy on the way to school. And drive them the other direction in traffic to school and then make my way to work the other way. And morning after morning after morning, at one point, Jesus was like, are you going to do this if no one ever knows? I mean, I'm telling you right now. But 
I'm not doing it for that reason. At the time, I was like, yes. And you know, God was using that to mold me in his image and teach me faithfulness and sacrifice. But it wasn't a great and lofty thing, was it? It was a carpool. But it was serving Jesus. Verse 18. I do not speak to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And from now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass that when it does, you may believe that I am he. What's that? Judas was going to betray him. Sometimes we give our best, don't we? And we get hurt. We get hurt serving God. But I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because we're, we're all broken people, right? Jesus is fixing us and making us new. And to keep serving and to keep loving and to seek healing and to not give up in your service. And this next verse I really love, 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives me, whomever, I'm sorry, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Some of us are really good at giving and not very good at receiving. And God is calling us to not only give, but to receive his love through other people to us. I had my twins, and um, wow, <laughs> that was physically a lot. And in the middle of that, I had to move. And there were people who came and moved me in my house when I was eight months pregnant. I still don't know where some things are. But it was hard for me to sit and just receive that love. And after my babies were born, I was so not able to do anything. And my husband had to serve me. He took over all the cooking, actually, during the pregnancy, because I was like, I couldn't even open the fridge without throwing up. And he still had to keep cooking and serving me. And I had to give up control over that, right? And I'd receive it as a gift. And then people, even in this room, came and brought me food. And mostly I was so happy they visited. Even now there are people still ministering to me and my family because it's just so hard. And I'm a very able person. And it's very hard for me sometimes to release that and to humbly say, thank you for serving me. And I want to encourage you to receive the gifts God has for you through other people serving you because that's how we continue to receive his love to us. So in closing, I just want to pray for us. You know, I just want to pray. You know, the first gift we need to receive is actually Jesus. <laughs> and once we receive him as our Savior and receive his Holy Spirit, it actually makes it possible for us to then serve and to have blessings. So in the middle of my prayer, I'm just going to pray and Maybe you want to piggyback on, but you can, you can know Jesus as your Savior too. And that's the first gift that we receive. And then I want to pray for those who are serving now, and maybe you're just tired, right? And I want to pray for those who you just don't know where to serve. What gifts do I have? And then I want to pray that God would just reveal to us a new special way for us to serve. So will you close your eyes with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I just come before you this day, and I just pray in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone in this room who just isn't really certain that they have eternal life, they're not certain that they really do know you, that you would open their ears and their eyes, and they would hear me say from you right now, I love you, 
I have called you. I gave everything up for you. I want you to be my child and join my family. If that's you right now in your heart, or if you just want to rededicate your life to Jesus, say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died and rose again. Please be my Lord and fill me with your spirit. Use my life to help others through your love. If you pray that prayer, I believe that Jesus is with you and in you. And please come up so we can pray. For those who know the Lord and you're serving now and maybe you're weary, I pray in the name of Jesus that God would fill you afresh with his agape love to give you that spark, to give you that hope, to give you that love that loves beyond all the sandpaper people, that loves beyond the early morning, that loves beyond all the things we can't see in the chaos. I pray God's blessing on you. And if right now you're not sure where to serve, then I pray in the name of Jesus that God would even put a picture in your mind or a thought or a person and you would have the courage to step out of your comfort zone, be filled with Christ, and be his hands in a hurting world. And if you're not even sure you want to serve, then I pray that God would give you the faith and the courage to say, Lord, could you even use me? And wait to see how he blesses you. This morning, I pray the blessing and the power of the resurrection in your lives, that you would know that you are clean, and in Christ we are whole, and that you are called, and that he gifts you, and that you are loved to the end. In Jesus' name, amen.